Hello, this is Larry Bertrand with another lesson of Explore the Bible series. We are in 2 Kings, lesson number five. This is the second to last lesson in 2 Kings, scheduled for August 21, 2022. God listens to the honest and humble prayers of his followers. So as we look at the key verse for today is 2 Kings 19, 19. Now, Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. So as we look at 2 Kings chapter 19, we'll start with verse 10 and go to verse 19, and then skip over to verse 32 to 34. So we look at these verses, notice the pride in Shennacherib's and uh, uh, Shennacherib's treaties compared to the humility in Hezekiah's prayers or prayer. We will discover Shennacherib aggression and threats directed toward Hezekiah and Judah that led to the events in today's focal passage. We'll focus on Hezekiah's strong faith and the priority and his priority. He put prayer uh, before him when he faced crisis. And we're going to look at how he moved to prayer as a first course of action rather than his last resort. Evaluate the things that you pray for. That'll be a good thing to do this week as we look at this lesson. What are the things on your prayer list? And consider how your prayers reflect the things that are important in your life. Maybe the people the objects, so forth. So Levi Stock, age 11, was boating with his family in Hillsborough Bay near Tampa. Seeing a storm cloud approaching, the family headed back to the boat ramp. And as they were preparing to land, Levi was struck by lightning and fell into the water. His dad jumped in, got him to shore, and started CPR. At the hospital 10 hours later, Levi regained consciousness, wondering where he, had, where he was and what had happened. When he heard that he had been struck by lightning, he was amazed that he had survived. Within four days, Levi was discharged from the hospital. While he's receiving good-natured teasing from others who want him to give, give them lottery numbers because of his good luck, Levi attributes his recovery to prayer. He states, I am really thankful for the people who prayed. God set up everything to save 
to save me especially. My dad, who jumped in and saved me, he said, God never stops helping people. I have a big story to tell. Unfortunately, Levi's confidence in prayer is not shared by everyone. In a recent Gallup poll, we find that 42% of Americans who believe in God also believe he hears prayers and intervenes in their lives. Another 28% think he hears but does not or cannot act. It's a sad statement of where we are in our faith, in our world, and in this country. So sometimes a crisis occurs and we aren't sure who to call. A pipe breaks in the house. I know you call a plumber, but which one? An appliance breaks. Who's to repair that appliance? Uh, But most of us have in our database someone to call. So in today's study, we're going to examine King Hezekiah's prayer, which is a response to a crisis he was facing. The context or background of today's lesson is beginning with chapter 18, verse 1, all the way to chapter 22, verse 26. Hezekiah became king and acted to turn Judah back to God. Early in his reign, uh, Assyria conquered the northern kingdom of Israel. The king challenged the priests and Levites to help him bring about spiritual renewal when he saw that what was going on in the north. And Hezekiah then uh, restored the sacrificial systems, the Levites, Levites, and people praised God and celebrated. We see that stated in Second Chronicles 29. The king then invited all Israel and Judah to celebrate Passover in Jerusalem. The account of that is also found in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, verses 1 through 6. So when they gathered to celebrate Passover, many northern citizens mocked Hezekiah's invitation, but others came. The people all celebrated the Passover at a level they had not since. Listen to this. They had not celebrated Passover at this level since Solomon's days. That was a long time ago. So when Sennacherib of Assyria invaded Judah, Hezekiah initially capitulated to the king's demands. Sennacherib then sent a large army and delegation to Jerusalem to encourage surrender and to warn the people not to trust Hezekiah's assurances of deliverance. Isaiah told Hezekiah God would rescue Judah. We see that in chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. However, the Assyrian officials returned and again warned the people not to let either Hezekiah or his God deceive them 
into believing they could win. So what does Hezekiah do? He goes to the temple. He prayed fervently for God's deliverance. We're going to see that in detail in a minute. Isaiah then sent a second reply to Hezekiah, assuring him of Assyria's impending defeat. The prophet further stated that life in Judah soon would return, wow, would return to normal. God would defend Jerusalem for his own sake and for King David's sake. An angel of the Lord uh, decimated the Assyrian camp that night and Sennacherib returned home. Verses 35 to 37, chapter 19. So when Hezekiah became ill, Isaiah told the king he was about to die. But God extended Hezekiah's life by 15 years after Hezekiah prayed. Unfortunately, the king became proud when a Babylonian delegation visited him and he foolishly showed them all that he had. Isaiah told Hezekiah that one day the Babylonians would return and exile Judah's citizens. Hezekiah's son Manasseh succeeded him and he reversed, Manasseh reversed his father's policies. He reestablished the worship of Baal. He rebuilt the false worship sites that his father had destroyed and God's prophets warned disaster would come upon Judah. Manasseh eventually repented and turned to the Lord after the king of Assyria captured him. Uh, though, Though much through much spiritual, though much spiritual damage already had occurred. Ammon, Ammon, Manasseh's son, continued Manasseh's evil practices and and resigned only two years after he was uh, and, and reigned only two years before he was assassinated. So as we begin to look at this week's text, we see that King Hezekiah of Judah, the southern kingdom, faced a looming crisis. The Assyrians were threatening his people as they had the kingdom of the north. So let's look at 2 Kings chapter 19, verses 10 through 13. This, in this first section, um, listen for Sennacherib's threats to Hezekiah. Verse 10, say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to other countries, destroying them completely, and will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that that were destroyed by my predecessors deliver them? The gods, and he names a number of the different gods. Verse 13, 
where is the king of Hamath or the king of Arpad? Inferring, where are the kings of Lyre, Sephim, Hena, and Iva? And the implication is they're gone. So to highlight, I want to highlight Hezekiah's strong faith. And I want us to look at 2 Kings chapter 18, the chapter before this one, verse 5 and 6. It says, he trusted, speaking of Hezekiah, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, none among those who were before him, for he held fast to the Lord. He did not depart from following him, but kept the commandments that the Lord commanded Moses. So in what ways? Did Sennacherib attack Hezekiah's faith in God with the message that he sent? So we'll, we'll see what happens here. In verses 10 to 13, looking at the ESV study Bible notes, it says, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you. This is Sennacherib speaking. The argument is a subtly different on the second speech by the Assyrians. So in chapter 18, verses 19 to 35, uh, they claim that Hezekiah was deceiving the people about what would happen if they trusted the Lord. Here he claims that Hezekiah is... uh, the one who is the one deceived by the God in whom he trusts. This is a God, according to Snecherib, who is not only weak, but duplicitous. And he invites Hezekiah to turn his back on his deity and to save himself from the fate of all those other kings who went to their doom, clinging to their gods, their idols. So we can see in some of our material in the lesson, it notes that Snecherib, his words revealed his pride and his lust for power. Snecherib uh, was not... A good man. So let me ask, how can our past successes get in the way of our keeping perspective in life and keeps us from not thinking too highly of ourselves? That's a challenge. The more we acquire, the more we become successful, the more we achieve the more we think, you know, I'm pretty good stuff. I can do just about anything. Look at all that I've accomplished. 
And that could have been a tempting thing for Hezekiah, but it wasn't. So while strengthening his military posture, it might seem wise, Hezekiah first turned quickly to God in prayer. This is a powerful prayer. As we look at this, we're going to see his swift response uh, to the threat of Sennacherib. Verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it, the letter. He spread it out before the Lord, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord. This is what he prayed. Lord, the God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Now give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. Verse 17. It is true, Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste the nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them. They For they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by human hands. Now, Lord God, our God, verse 19, deliver us from his hand, Sennacherib's hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. Wow. What a prayer. So looking in some comments from the Bible Knowledge Commentary, let's consider this prayer. Verses 14 to 16, when the king had received and read Snecherib's message, which had been carried to him by messengers, he returned to the temple. So that means... That was a regular habit or practice of his. He returned to the temple to pray again, and his prayer included, first, a a recognition of God's sovereignty, verse 15, a mention of the, the defiance of the Assyrians, verses 16 through 18, and in verse 19, a request for deliverance. So it says, spreading the letter before the Lord Hezekiah, addressed him as Israel's God, who, whose throne was the atonement cover or the mercy seat uh, on the Ark of the Covenant between cherubim. And so he says, God, you are between the cherubim there on the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. And God's God had said that he would dwell between the cherubim in a unique sense, and he did. And the king recognized that God is a spirit, not a piece of wood 
or stone and that God alone was the real ruler of Judah. He was the sovereign. He was sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth, including Assyria. And he was the all-powerful creator of both heaven and earth. So Hezekiah besought God and he asked him, listen carefully to what he would say and to view closely what was happening. He then reported Sennacherib's blasphemous insults. And so we see in verses 17 through 19, Hezekiah could easily understand why Assyria had successfully defeated her foes. God in which those nations trusted for protection were mere pieces of wood and stone. They were created objects, not the creator. So they had no power and were easily destroyed. Uh, and so, but Hezekiah appealed to the living God, his God, to deliver his people from Sennacherib's hand. Hezekiah believed he could. This was a prayer of faith. Uh, the object of the king's petition was God's glory. He says, I'm doing this for your glory and not primarily for my own survival. So he asked God to vindicate himself and to demonstrate that he was not just an impotent idol so that the whole world would acknowledge him. Hezekiah's petition is one of the finest prayers in all of Scripture. So let me emphasize that Hezekiah's actions served as an example of what God's people should do when faced with challenges and threats. We should come before the Lord in humble prayer and spread it out before him, just as Hezekiah did in the temple. Our doing so does not mean that we doubt that God already knows the details. He does. It's a picture of our absolute dependence on Him, on God, when facing difficulties. So ask yourself, what priorities did Hezekiah reveal in his prayer? What do a person's prayers reveal about his or her priorities. Examine your prayers and you will see what's most important to you, how you pray, how you call out to God. Hezekiah wanted God to spare Jerusalem and its inhabitants. He understood that God's protecting Jerusalem would be a powerful testimony and would demonstrate that the Lord alone is God. 
Now, looking at the final section of this passage, verses 32 to 34, as I read this, imagine the relief that must have flooded Hezekiah's heart as he heard Isaiah speaking the words from God. Verse 32, Therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. But the way that he came, by the way that he came, he will return and he will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it. For I myself, uh, for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. So God says, I will defend this city for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. So how did the response of God address the fears of Hezekiah? God responds boldly. Uh, events that happened after Hezekiah, we're going to see events that happened after he prayed, and we're going to point out that God defended Jerusalem. We're going to see that the Assyrians' deaths gave evidence of God's sovereignty over life and death in his integrity. So again, looking at the Bible Knowledge Commentary, we see in these verses 32 to 34, Snekrib's fate was then revealed. He would not forcibly take Jerusalem. He would not besiege it or even, it says, shoot an arrow against it. Instead, he would return to his own homeland without even entering Jerusalem. God promised to defend Jerusalem and to save it from Snekrib's wrath. God, God would do this for his sake or for the sake of his reputation. And because of his promise to his servant David, he would protect it. So how does God defend his name today? God proved himself to be reliable. He was not a liar. All Snekerib's bragging proved to be hollow propaganda. God heard Hezekiah's prayer, and the good news is he hears our prayers as well. And we know that he defeated the Assyrians uh, in this passage. So what are the applications? Number one, pride leads to greater acts of arrogance. And that's a sad thing to, to see happening in a person's life. The second application is believers can humbly approach God in prayer. We can all do that. Just as Hezekiah went to the temple, we can come before God in prayer and lay it all out to him. 
Let him see what the circumstances are. And the third thing we see here is, is God will defend his name and his people for his glory. So note that Snekerib's pride and arrogance led to his downfall and to the downfall of his nation. So as we close this lesson, thank God for hearing our prayers. Thank him for being a God who defends, who protects, who is real for his people. I close with a beautiful hymn, Have Faith in God. And the words are, have faith in God when your pathway is lonely. He sees and knows all the way you have trod. Never alone are the least of his children. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God when your prayers are unanswered. Your earnest plea he will never forget. Wait on the Lord. Trust his word and be patient. Have faith in God, he'll answer yet. Have faith in God in your pain and your sorrow. His heart is touched with your grief and despair. Cast all your cares and your burdens upon him and leave them there. Oh, leave them there. Have faith in God, though all else fail about you. Have faith in God. He provides for his own. He cannot fail, though all kingdoms shall perish. He rules. He reigns upon his throne. And then the refrain. Have faith in God. He's on his throne. Have faith in God. He watches o'er his own. He cannot fail. He must prevail. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Please pray with me. Lord, we trust you. We recognize that you and you alone are able to do all things. Nothing is impossible for you. Even as we look at the circumstances of our personal life or our family or our community, Lord, we do not need to throw up our hands in despair. We can trust in you. May we do as Hezekiah did. Take our request to the Lord, be it his church, place of worship, our place where we spend time alone with God. May we take our needs to the Lord and spread them out before him knowing that he cares. Have faith in God. In Jesus' name, amen.